M A I N M U M U Main Menu Main Menu Welcome to Main Menu for April 17, 2010. I'm Jamie Pauls. On this week's show, Chrissy Cochran, Jeff Bishop, and Jamie Pauls join forces to talk about window eye scripting. After that, we hear more highlights from CSUN 2010, courtesy of Blind Bargains. That's all coming up on this edition of Main Menu. Salona.net turns one year old this week. Any blind person who has spent any time at all on the internet, whether it be trying to accomplish an important task or just surfing for pleasure, will know the frustration of running into an inaccessible CAPTCHA. Thanks to Bernard Maldonado and his team of sighted volunteers, that frustration has become more of an inconvenience than an impassable roadblock. Main Menu applauds the work done by the Salona team. Coming April 16th through the 18th, live right here on ACB Radio, on our station ACB Radio World, we'll be presenting the 2010 Spring Convention of the California Council of the Blind. And hello, this is Dan Kaiser, and we welcome you to listen to this exciting broadcast. We'll be broadcasting three days, along with myself, John Glass, and Ann Kaiser. We'll be talking about the various activities and hearing from a lot of leaders around California and the United States and our convention is focused on education. We'll be hearing a lot about the School for the Blind situation throughout the United States and here in California. So you don't want to miss the activities. We begin our broadcast at 8 o'clock a.m. on the 16th as we interview our president, Mr. Jeff Tom, who's also on the ACB board. So listen to the California Council of the Blind Convention live from San Francisco right here on ACB Radio World. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a joint project with ACB Radio and the Global Voice. And the one thing we have in common that the three of us around here are Window Eyes users. I have with me Jamie Paul, who hosts Main Menu on ACB Radio. I have Jeff Bishop, who is script king par excellence of Win Eyes, <laughs> Window Eyes, Station Playlist, and all sorts of scripts, scripts across Skype and all sorts of goodies. And we are first going to look at the latest version of Window Eyes, which is coming out, which is Window Eyes 7.2 a beta of which is available for anyone who wishes to acquire it. Jeff, what is new in this that's really going to catch people, or is it mainly bug fixes? Well, I think the first thing that people need to to realize is that this is not a major release. It's not uh, something, you know, like a Windowize 8.0 or anything like that. However... There are some pretty major changes in it in reference to performance and stability. That's always been a pretty key thing for GW Micro is to make sure that stability can remain a key factor in their product line. And uh, there was a there was a patch released prior to the 7.2 public beta that was that was put out for Eloquence. And for those of you who are Windowize users, if you if you have not gotten that patch, really it makes Windowize feel like an, an entirely different screen reader when you're using that 
when you're using that synthesizer. I don't know what you think, Jamie, but the, the, the difference was just incredible. Absolutely. I was a someone who really uh, enjoyed using Eloquence and was pretty much unable to use it with Window Eyes on my computer. Uh, it was just too sluggish. It stuttered badly. And the patch has absolutely revolutionized the way I use Window Eyes with, with Eloquence. Yeah, I was using uh, DeckTalk Access with it myself yeah. and uh, and I switched to Eloquence when the patch came out and the, the difference is, is incredible. One of the other key things that's new in the patch is, uh, or the new in, in the public beta actually, is uh, support for Office 2010. Now, Microsoft is going to be announcing uh, uh, the launch for for business customers of Office 2010 in May and for the public consumer in June. So, so it's coming quickly. And this is really nice that we're actually going to be able to have support in Window Eyes for Office 2010 uh, before it even actually ships. One of the really neat things about Office 2010 that I've done quite a bit of reading about is Outlook has really had a number of improvements. And I'm really excited about that, especially for IMAP support. It's supposed to uh, sing and dance when, uh, when we get that. But the proof will be in the pudding when it comes out. And Gmail, I have a, I have a huge, huge Gmail um, account, has about, has about five gig of, of, of email in it. And right now, using Outlook with that, it, it's very, very, very slow. So I'm very excited to, to try Office 2010 uh, when it comes out. Uh, really, the other areas that 7.2 uh, deals with are with, in reference to bug fixes. And there are a number of them. The README file is extremely, uh, well, it's very large. <laughs> and it describes every fix that's, that's included in 7.2. And if you're running 7.11 right now, really, I've told users that there is no reason why, even though it's a beta, and there is some level of risk running a beta, but really, I think that you would find that it's, it's more stable than the current 7.11 release is. And uh, I don't know if you would concur with that, both you and uh, Jamie and Chrissy. Well, when I, I, I first would. installed it, it ran fine for five minutes and then stopped totally. And I thought, oh, no, this is just not on. And it did it again <laughs> after a reboot. And I thought, I'm going to have to go back. After which, it seems to have settled down and been absolutely fine. So it's probably something to do with my machine. I'm not saying it does. But it, it was just a little worrying. You know, you put a beta in and you think, yeah, well... They've done their very best, but things can go wrong. And I thought things had gone wrong. But with over the last five or six days that I've been running it, I think it's, it's, it's great. I did have the eloquence patch for earlier ones, but even so, I, I, I think it's pretty stable. Well, and they're continuing to work on it, too, uh, before the actual 7.2 final release comes out. And I don't know if there will be another public beta or not. I don't know. I don't, don't have that in Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that we'll see some, some even more polish before 7.2 actually ships. And that will be a free upgrade to, to Windowize users, and you'll be able to download it from, from beta, uh, you know, from, from the, well, by then it will not be a beta, but it will be download just from the upgrade page. Yeah. So it'll be pretty exciting stuff. Okay. Well, shall we move on then to thing that you are known for, Jeff, and that is the Windowize script. 
gifts for all sorts of good things. Can you just give us a quick rundown of what you have done scripts for? And if you forget any, I won't hold it against you. Well, let's see. Why don't I just pull up the list that I have here? I can do that <laughs> okay. pretty uh, quickly. That way I don't forget either. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, the one of the first one of the ones that I've uh, actually started with I'm a I'll, I'll be real clear here and say that I am a beta tester for for GW Micro. And during the during the beta process of of producing Windows version 7 when it introduced scripting the first project that I thought I wanted to undertake was Winamp. You know, there's there's fantastic support for for Winamp and the JavaScripts, and it's been there been there for a very long time. And I thought, well, I want to be able to to meet that level of of uh, support and exceed it. And I think I've done that. Uh, the Winamp scripts, I, I think, have literally hundreds of features in them. Uh, to to do it justice here today is it's really not. We can't. We don't have enough time. But I think where it really shines is in the area where I've extended not the the capability of of Winamp through features that are not even included in Winamp itself. Um, and I've been able to do that through. Windowize has a very very rich user interface uh, model of surrounding scripting, so that you can actually create you know dialog boxes and and uh, and those things can contain sliders and, and list boxes and list views and combo boxes and check boxes and tree views and all these different things, as well as even menu bars. So you can even have, you know, like you can actually make it look like a full-blown application. And so there's, there's quite a bit of things in there, like uh, I wrote my own bookmark manager because I really didn't like the way that Winamp handles the editing of bookmarks. And uh, there's there's a preset manager built in. So think of you can think of presets as as like the buttons on your on your uh, car radio. I don't even even know if people even do it that way anymore. But <laughs> with iPods and all these other things. Yeah. But I remember. But, uh, it. I remember when. I yeah. remember when. Yes, quite so. Yes. Yes. Jeff, uh, the, uh, the, the bookmark can, manager. Can we yeah. just stop on there for a minute? Now, sure. I don't use. I, I just use the straight bookmarks and sort of just go down through the bookmarks. But I, do, I don't huh? delete them often. Now, I was under the impression that you had to have the Winamp library running to be able to delete bookmarks. Am I correct? And if so, can they be deleted within the bookmark manager without that? Uh, I do not rely on the Winamp library uh, capability of Winamp itself. I do it myself. So I actually edit the Winamp bookmark file directly. Right, yeah. So mm -hmm. if you go into my bookmark, ma bookmark manager, you, you can get to it by pressing F2, and it comes up with a tree view, and you can look at your bookmarks and your presets and your recently heard links. So Winamp keeps, tracks, keeps track of 16 recently heard links. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you, you can even go in and you can edit those or play them or whatever you want to do with those. Um, and, and you can edit... You can edit your bookmarks. You can remove bookmarks. You can add bookmarks. There's even an, an, an ability to to retrieve book, my bookmarks from that I have in my bookmark list from the website and add them to your bookmark list. <laughs> I like it. Which is kind of neat. Yeah. So so that, that's kind of fun. People can go up there and, and see what I like to listen to. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. And um, it, that that's kind of fun. So. Uh, 
you can even also set up alarms based on these bookmarks. So you could you could be in a situation where, okay, I want Winamp to launch and I want it to uh, play this file or play this stream at 5.30 in the morning when I get up. So you can do that and you can just leave your computer running and go to bed and at 5.30 in the morning, Winamp will launch and play, you know, whatever you told it to play, which is really kind of neat, actually. It's... Uh, People, people really like that. I've gotten a lot of feedback about that. People, people uh, set them up, and that way they don't forget that something's coming up. And uh, it, Winamp doesn't have to be running. There's a, there's a Winamp global script that runs in the background all the time, and it keeps track of what alarms are set, and it, it uh, keeps track of the time. And when those, the time is reached, it goes ahead and launches uh, you know, Winamp and plays, plays the appropriate uh, stream or or file so kind of fun that is kind of, that is kind of fun okay yeah can we um an interesting point that one or two people have asked me in the progress indicator now i yes. noticed in window eyes 7.2 not only do you get the percentages but you get this ghastly beeping noise is there yeah. is there not a way of getting rid of that yet still hearing the percentages? Hmm. Jamie, I, I you know, I don't remember the I don't remember if there's a way to turn the the sounds off of those or not. Yeah, there is. And in fact I was a little surprised. I I have uh of course, and I will confess to also being a private beta tester for Window Eyes, and I can thank Jeff for that for help helping me to become involved with that. So uh, but I uh, really didn't realize that the scripts shipped with both tones and uh, text being spoken. Um, you can certainly do any combination of the above. You can turn off the tones. Uh, you can have text speaking. You can have just tones or both. So there's actually a lot of flexibility. You can decide whether you want Progress Indicator to speak uh, percentages um, or whether you want it to speak every five seconds and let you know what percentage you're at in mm -hmm. five second intervals. Um, so, uh, and w you know, you need to go into the help and options area of the script, and and you, there are all those um, there there are check boxes and edit boxes that you can can adjust. That's the really and uh, one of the really nice things. There's several nice things about Winamp's or I'm sorry about Windowwise scripts in general. One of them is the ease of installation. Although, t to be fair, um, pardon me for a second. Had to cough. One of the things I really like about Winamp's, dang, I keep doing that. One of the things I really like about Window Eye Scripts is, uh, for one thing, the ease of installation. Uh, now, to be fair, JAWS script writers are more and more doing some some executable install so it'll help you find where to place the scripts but window eyes scripts are just very easy to install and there's just a lot of configurability within the scripts that the script writer can put in there that the user can just go in and and check check boxes radio buttons or whatever and and adjust yes that's right and and the, the really nice thing also about that is that that the, the installation process is built into window eyes itself Jamal Mazrui has written some really nice JAWS 
scripting tools, uh, and most people are using JAWS Script Exchange to to be able to exchange scripts and and put it into an executable. And his work is definitely very well recognized. And and even Jamal has written a number of of, of very 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 nice scripts. In fact, he has written uh, uh, a set of scripts that sort of mimic the research it capabilities of of JAWS for Windows even, and, and they're really kind of neat too. And for the benefit of the, uh, of the listeners, Jeff, what uh, are they called, those particular scripts? For, for the research you were going to you were gonna ask that. I was going <laughs> to ask that. I can't that think yet. either. That's funny. Hold on a second. I'll, yeah. um, <laughs> we pause three, three seconds for safe identification. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I've got to say that the script has client. been wonderful. It's called... Okay, Jamal's script for the research at like capabilities, which basically is allowing you to look up things across the web, whether that be dictionary things or Amazon's price, you know, Amazon prices or whatever the case may be, is called Web Client. And it's a capability that's also included in a number of other scripting projects that Jamal has done, as well as other projects like EdgeSharp and FileDer as well. In fact, he just came out with new versions of those this weekend. One of the things you can do with web client, and I've actually done it, is you can get um, driving directions. Uh, my wife and I travel some. I play music, and and uh, sometimes we do have GPS now. But you know, just to look up point A to point B, and he, I mean, you can do it from Google. Absolutely, that's not a problem. But my goodness, he makes it so easy just to enter the from and the to destination, and just instantly have directions, the number of miles, all of that good stuff. It's great, actually. He first put that into McTwit, which is a Twitter client that mm-hmm. Jamal Mezrui had written. And when I saw it working there, it was really kind of neat. And then he took that same type of logic and moved it into Web Client. And it's really neat. It, 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 we use it all the time at the house, actually. Yeah. That, that is absolutely amazing. Um, okay, what about scripts for Skype? How good are they nowadays and how much difficulty do you have Skype being what Skype is? And we all know what Skype's like. Well, now, to be perfectly f- fair, uh, ju- hold on. <laughs> to, <laughs> to be perfectly clear here, the Skype scripts were originally started by Aaron Smith of GW Micro. And he was looking for someone to take them on because, you know, GW Micro has enough on their plate uh, than writing a bunch of scripts for different applications. They have work to do to make sure they produce really high quality products. So I, I took the challenge of taking them on and I think everyone tries to compare them with, with what with the work that Doug Lee has done, which is incredible. Doug Lee's yeah. work with with the JAWS Skype scripts are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's but he's done it for years. You know? So so um the the capability that the Skype scripts have right now is while good, it's it nowhere nears what the, the the JAWS scripts have. I hope over time uh, that I can that I can sort of get there. But again, this is a this is a work of love for me. I don't get paid to do them, and there are only so many hours of the day. But I'm working on a script to increase that. Uh, so we'll see if we can actually <laughs> uh, you know make more time for me to to do programming. <laughs> and, and this is you only for that's, Skype four and above, isn't it? Yeah, 4.2 and above. Uh, my my feeling on this is that I'm going to 
script for the current release. And yeah. I know that there have been a number of people who have said, well, we want those features back in the 3.8 client too. And, and I'm sorry, I can't do both. I, I need to be able to focus on, on those things that, um, that, that the actual Skype developers are doing as well. Yeah, because At least that's how I see Skype it. Skype 4, 4.2 sort of thing is on its own nowhere near as accessible as Skype 3.0, is it? So you're doing a great no. job. You know, to, to make it yeah. accessible to people. Otherwise, people are going to say, I'll stay with what I have. Well, 3.8 is, not, is probably not going to work forever on their network. No. Uh, no. I mean, they're probably going to be like Microsoft and, and turn, you know, that capability off. Mm. So, if, so eventually, everyone's going to have to migrate to something. Yeah. Whether absolutely. it be 4.5 or 5.0, whatever the case may be. And I hope uh, through the work I know that Doug, Doug Lee has worked directly with with the Skype development team, and and I know that that will probably continue. I hope, and I hope that we'll see more improvements as as Skype puts out new releases. But my feeling is I'm going to to Skype, or, or you know, my feeling is I'm going to script for Skype whatever the current release is. Right. Let's move on now to another big project, which I know you've had in hand. And have done remarkable work on. I believe a new new uh, edition has come out recently. And those are the scripts for station playlists. Now here I have got to plead ignorance. I am not a station playlist user, so Jeff, I'm going to rely on you to sort of walk us through this. Because uh, assume that okay. people listening have a station playlist and you know want want to use the latest scripts. So it's over to you. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to pull up the manual because the the scripts. For studio are in, quite intensive here, and just so that I make sure that I talked to you about uh, specifics. But basically, the the station playlist studio scripts provide complete access to station playlist. And when I mean that, I mean that you have complete ability to be able to get it all of the track list information through through the use of keystrokes uh you have uh the ability of getting information about uh studio even outside of the station playlist window so let's say you're you're all tabbing around and you're doing things you can you can do that as well i think the real beauty of these scripts is that they're that there's so much configurability in the in the actual scripting of of, of studio itself there are there's a script preferences dialog, which has all of the configuration capabilities of the scripts encompassed around that dialog, and you can you can do all kinds of different uh, different things here. So I pulled up the manual, and uh, let's see here. One of the one of the most recent f- suggestions that was made to me by by a user of the scripts was the ability to switch sound cards when Studio launches. So for those of us who who do internet broadcasting, we probably have two or three or four or five or six sound cards in our computers, which creates all kinds of havoc at times. But that forces us to want to potentially change our screen reader to use a different sound card when we're broadcasting. And so now, in the in the most recent edition of the Studio Scripts, you can you can do that. You can configure it so that when Studio launches, Windowize goes, oh, okay, well, when I, while I'm in this application, I'm going to use my, you know, external sound card, and it automatically switches you to that card, and then when Studio is closed, then it returns you back to whatever your original sound card was automatically. 
So this is this is a uh, again another thing where I think that the scripts really shine. One of the things about Studio is that there are a number of track bars and scroll bars and these types of things within the application itself, and uh, at least in Window Eyes anyway, they do not speak automatically. So I've gone through all of the the Station Playlist Studio options dialogs and tried to make sure that that all of these are accounted for. So as you arrow around there, then they will automatically uh, speak. The scripts recognize the fact that there are that there are user-defined hotkeys within Studio itself. So in in Studio, you can configure what key turns the microphone on and off. You can configure what key turns line in on and off. And the and the Studio scripts actually recognize this information and automatically reassigns the scripted capabilities of those hotkeys to the keys that you define in Studio. So there's a lot of direct communication going on between the internal capabilities of Studio as well as the scripts themselves. And that would not have happened without the direct support from Ross and the Station Playlist Studio team. He has been uh, incredible to work with. He's made a number of technical changes for, for me to be able to achieve the, the things that, that I've done. Now, Brian Hargen and I have worked together uh, on, on some of these things to try to, to make sure that, that the features that are added in Studio itself don't impact or, or, or actually more positively impact each other for both the JAWS Studio scripts and, and the Window Eyes Studio scripts. And his, his scripts are also very, very good. I know that there's a lot of people that use them uh, on, on a number of different radio stations, uh, internet stations. So, uh, so it was really kind of nice to, to work together. And really, honestly, many of the ideas that are seen in the, in the Station Playlist Studio scripts for Window Eyes came from ideas that were already encompassed in the, in the JAWS scripts. There's there's really good online help and the manual is is quite extensive. It's very very it's uh, very very much in, encompassing. In fact, before you start using these scripts, I would recommend that you read the entire manual first. There's lots of things in here that, while not required to do any configuration, that you probably will want to. One of the features that I added in the Station Playlist Studio scripts is the ability to treat the station. Uh, playlist uh, studio track list like a Windows 7 list view. So for those of you who are not Windows 7 users, in Windows 7 you can now arrow across the columns in, in uh, you know, like Windows Explorer and you can get at that information. And I don't know about you, Chrissy, but when you're broadcasting and, and you want to move a track up, sometimes it's kind of hard to find it, especially if you're doing a four-hour show. It and you have three hundred, yeah, yeah, and you have three hundred tracks in there. I added the ability of, of of doing a find in in the actual track list, so you can do a find and you can type in a term or whatever, and it goes out and it finds that track and places you there, and you can then move it or do whatever you need to do to that track. Or if you are Speedy Gonzalez, you can also turn a feature feature on where you can again move around with your left and right and up and down arrow keys and look for the track and as you move it actually moves the highlight and you only get the column that your cursor is in spoken so let's say that you know the name of the title of the track so you moved right arrow to the title and you just simply down arrow until you find it 
and you, you're there and it automatically is highlighted and you can then move it around or do whatever you need to do. It really does make things a lot faster. You don't hear, you know, all the information. It's not as verbose. You can, you know, you can, you can uh, get that information a, a lot easier. In addition to that, I have the have created the ability of of modifying the order of what in which columns speak in the track list. So as you up and down arrow, then you'll hear the information in the track list that you want to hear, as opposed to whatever studio thinks you want to hear. <laughs> and, and there's just so much more. I mean, there it, it's just uh, again that these are probably uh, from a from a from a development standpoint, it did not nearly take as long to develop these as the Winamp scripts have. But uh, I think they're probably close to, if not maybe in some respects, even more uh, configurable and, and more technical than the Winamp scripts are in many respects. Let's look to the future then. What okay. have you got on the drawing board, if anything, or have you now reached the, the, the peak of development for, let's say, initially the Winamp scripts? Well, one of the things that I, that I want to do there is is add the ability of looking up information that is playing uh, in Winamp. So let's say that you're listening to a song, and you go, you know, I really like that. I want to be able to add the ability of of directly linking to Amazon to be able to get at that album or get you know at that information to be able to purchase it. I'll beta uh, test I that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I really want that. It, it's more of a stingy thing. I want it personally. Uh, I, I listen to a song and, and it's up in the title bar and I go, you know, that's a cool song. I like it. I want it. So uh, I want to be able to really add the ability of, of, of looking up that information directly on Amazon and, and provide a buy button or whatever the case may be. I'm not really sure what that interface is going to look like uh, quite yet, but uh, that's definitely one of the things that I, that I want to do. And, and, and after that, I'm not real sure. I mean, a lot of the things that are driven... Um, in the Winamp scripts are, are driven by by users. I mean, I've gotten really bizarre requests from people uh, that they want really specific, you know, things. Like I got a, I got a, um, when I was developing the Winamp scripts, I got an email that said, "Hey, can you make it so that I can hear part of a track and just loop it because I'm a I'm, I'm a musician <laughs> and I want to and I want to be able to hear this and I want to be able to practice." playing it back you know I, I want to mimic it and so can you can you make that happen and i'm like well wow that's kind of odd i'm not really sure i would personally use ever use this but so i did it and it took me you know a couple hours to do and yeah and and now now you can do that you can you know set a start and end mark and hit play and it just loops that portion of a track over and over and over again <laughs> so yeah i i mean so most of the features that i'm adding now are things that users want. So looking and, into uh, the future with Winamp, let us supposing the developers of Winamp were a bit nasty from our point of view and said, we are not going to support the classic skin anymore. Would we be absolutely stuffed? I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't, I, I'm not really sure about that. I, I have not personally done enough testing in other skins to be able to give you a, a direct answer to that. I think that that if it came to that and the classic skin was gone, I think that we could come up with creative solutions to work around that. There are a number of WinApp APIs that are available uh, that we could tap into to, to make sure that that, that that could happen. It would require some 
external capabilities of of scripting because it would require uh, the, some some work to be done in other programming languages that the current WinApp scripts are are uh, written in to be able to write a DLL that would hook into that. But that's the beauty of window eye scripting is that it has that capability that you can basically write in whatever programming language you want. And so I think, God forbid that they do this, but uh, I think if that were to happen, I think that it would be, uh, uh, it would be okay. I think, I think we would, it, it would definitely set us back for a little bit of time, mm-hmm. but I think eventually we could probably work around it. I think uh, that's, you know, suffice it to say, I haven't done any testing in this area, so um, I can't really be 100% assured, but I think we could. And people developing WinApp, who of course are listening to this program, uh, yeah, please course, keep yes. the classic skin going. Okay, what about for station playlist and studio? I, I think I've reached uh, the limit of what I can do there. There, there is a, There's going to be a new version coming out. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to keep up with, with what what the actual author of this of studio is doing so there will be there will be versions that are released to make sure that they remain compatible with uh studio and but other than that i'm not really sure that i that you'll see me adding a lot of additional uh capabilities to those i think they already meet and exceed what is required to be able to uh use you know um you know for broadcasting at this point so what next in terms of scripts for anything that you haven't started on yet? What, what, what have you got on the drawing boards? You know, any, any well, new I scripts or something, something that we haven't, uh, haven't got scripts for yet? Yeah, well, there's a couple of things. Um, I, I'm going to continue to work on, uh, on the uh, Skype scripts. There's a, there's a project that I'm uh, working on uh, to interface directly to the LDS Mormon Church's um, audio content. And there's a script that's coming out very soon called LDS Player, which will allow you to to play and retrieve content from all of their all their podcast feeds and RSS feeds, uh, and that's really kind of neat. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a, it's a way that you can you know sync a lot of content to to iPods or other MP3 portable devices and things like that. And this this is really a that 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 script specifically is something that I personally wanted myself so it's more of a stingy thing and i figure well i I wrote it for myself and if other people can value from it then then that's all well and good but and i think they will i've actually uh spoken to a number of people uh other than other than that uh i'm going to be uh looking at other applications and and uh you know seeing what i can do uh it's just hard to say where where things go next i think i think it's really exciting to see the the work that's going on uh, Chip has written a lot of really neat Microsoft Office scripts for for Word and uh, other Office things. And I know uh, Aaron at GW Micro has has really Aaron's gone nuts lately working on this new script that's up on Script Central called Hot uh, Hotspot. I don't know if you uh, have played with it yet, Jamie, but uh, it really, it really, really, really is neat, and it will really provide a way of of people who who really don't want to dive into scripting necessarily uh, to be able to accomplish some things pretty easily as well. So I'll confess I haven't played with it, but I have a feeling that it could be applicable in the Rhapsody um, player. Yeah, yeah, that that's very interesting. And, and Rhapsody has gone under a, 
a number of transformations in the past uh, couple of weeks. I don't know if people have kept up with that, but they just lowered their uh, their pricing and things like that. So kind uh, of kind of interesting. But yeah, I think there's some really exciting stuff going on right now. I know um, there there's just more and more stuff going on out there uh, that that are not visible yet but that are, that are coming and, and I think the, that the future is really bright for things that are coming for window eye scripting. Finally I'd like to ask both of you in window eyes in general if you could speak to the developers and say there's something I would really love on window eyes that isn't there yet what would it be? In my case it would be the equivalent of Jaws tandem I must admit Interesting. Okay. What would you go for, Jimmy? You want to take? What about what? Yeah. What do you think, Jamie? Well, I am really excited to see what happens with version eight because there are going to be, and this has been publicly stated, um, there's going to be a rewrite of the Window Eyes browse mode to be able to see web pages dynamically update. And to to have some idea that a page has updated and even possibly where on the page. And I realize that we have to be careful not to be too verbose, but uh, sometimes, you know, you click on a page and something has changed and you have a pretty good idea that it has. And I'm talking about even screen readers now that support, uh, you know, dynamic pages. But you, you know something's changed, but you're not exactly sure what and you're not exactly sure where. So it's going to be really interesting to see if Window Eyes can give us some, uh, just a little bit more information about what's going on on that page. Yes, I, I think I would agree with you, Jamie. And I, and I think from a scripting perspective, because that's how I sort of look at the world of, of how can I better advance Window Eyes capabilities, I want full capability of scripting in that environment. So that if a website is not as accessible as it could be, I want to be able to hook into that. And, you know, I'm not sure where they're taking it, uh, taking eight yet, for sure. We, we have, uh, as, even as beta testers, we don't even have a clue uh, yet as to where, you know, all of that is going. So I, I think that's going to be uh, really exciting. The other thing is I want access to a lot of the newer accessibility APIs that are coming out, iAccessible 2 and, and, and things like that. And that's, I think that, that if we can support more of that, I think that that would be uh, really good, both from an end user perspective as well as a scripting perspective. Because as far as I'm concerned, uh, I want the capabilities of resolving issues for users and, and making, making lives easier uh, for, for those people that use Window Eyes. Well, guys, it's been great to talk to you, both as, as, as Window Eyes beta testers. It's a good, good way to get in and find out what's happening. Jeff Bishop, Jamie Paul, I'd like to thank you very, very much indeed for being on Main Menu on ACB Radio. I'm Chrissy Cochran for Main Menu. Here's an important announcement regarding the U.S. Census and you. It's U.S. Census time when the government takes count of all its citizens to determine how funding is distributed in the various regions and even how many congressional representatives we have. We want you to be counted, too beginning Monday, April 12th, if you have blindness, visual, or other disability, you can fill out your census form over the phone. Call 1-866-872-6868. The number again is 1-866-872-6868, starting Monday, April 12th. The sooner you call, the less likely a census worker will visit your home. Be counted. Take part in the U.S. Census. 
Welcome to another BlindBargains.com exclusive audio podcast brought to you by the AT Guys, your assistive technology experts. Visit ATGuys.com today for all your technology needs. Now, here's J.J. Meadow. We're here with Mark Stenzel, the Vice President for Sales and Business Development at Enhanced Vision, and they have brought two new products here to CSUN in San Diego. So, Mark, welcome to Blind Bargains. Thank you. Thank you. We're standing here in front of a new uh, camera apparatus that connects uh, via USB to a computer. Why don't you tell us uh, exactly what I'm looking at here? Sure. Thanks very much. Um, This is called the Transformer. We're showing it here at CSUN for the first time. And this is a camera system that will connect to a USB port, automatically initialize, so there's no software to run, and then it will allow you to display live video directly on the laptop. Uh, It does not draw any power from the laptop. It has its own inbuilt rechargeable battery. You can, of course, plug it into an electrical outlet as well. That's different from uh, many of your competitors where it does draw power from the laptop, correct? Yeah, that's right. And we we made a very conscious decision that we wanted to distinguish ourselves in that regard because laptops are notorious for running out of power when you most need them. So we don't want to drain any power in the use uh, when our product is being used. Okay. Let's describe this for uh, people listening. That's that's a, uh, on the base, it's like a half circle, would you say? Yeah, sort of a half circle, two legs that kind of spread out to provide the support. And then there's an upright apparatus, uh, which uh, handle which uh, contains the controls, the electrical uh, cord for plugging into the wall. And then, of course, the USB uh, connectivity. Right. So the half circle is facing towards you, um, the camera's in the back of it, and then it angles up, uh, the bar of the camera angles up towards you, and then um, from that 45-degree angle turns and comes straight out um, above, what is that, maybe six or eight inches above? Uh, about the, six or seven inches, yeah, and then right on the, on the end, at the, the very extreme of the device is where the camera is, and that camera actually can uh, be turned. Okay. So we added in the uh, viewing position for seeing distance, but now we have it pointed down for reading. So now it's oriented more vertically. Um, the camera itself is probably three or four inches wide. That's that's right. It yeah, turns. It's, yeah, it's actually quite small, mm-hmm. and uh, you can actually orient the whole device uh, either the way we have it now, or you can turn it either uh, 90 or 180 degrees if you wish to orient it somewhat differently, but that's more convenient for the user. Is that a, is that a button there, or what is that? Uh, um, that the, on, on the side, there's actually two buttons. One allows the close-up lens to be flipped out of the way. Which one is that? That is right in front, actually. So there, right. Okay, the very front on the bottom, there's a little round indented button. Right. Okay. And, and so that flips the close-up lens out of the way. You need to do that when you're looking at distance ah. so that it will focus because it's an autofocus camera. Okay. And then there's another button on the opposite side um, that allow, is a find button. And what that does is it puts a target on the screen that shows the area that's going to be magnified. So when you hold it, um, it, will, it will show the target area. When you release it, it will magnify to whatever uh, level you've selected. I noticed uh, that you can also, yeah, this camera at the top where the the 45-degree angle where it meets the the horizontal part that comes out, you can also, that's where it folds in. Yeah, and let me actually, we've got another version of it, not another version, but another model here. If you'll just put your your hand out right here, this is the device all folded up, up. ready for transport. So it's about the size of an umbrella, a folding umbrella. Uh, and we'll go into a carrying case, which is also provided. The half circle that we talked about, that actually collapses? That's correct, yeah. So here it is together, 
Right. Now here I've moved it out uh, into the uh, support position. Right. So we have the half circle part and then the, the arm and then the, the base. That's right. So yeah. it's probably, it's threefold, I guess you call it, right? Is it, looks uh, like about... It's probably kind of four things you need to do. Open okay. up the base, start to flip up the, uh, uh, the kind of the superstructure, if you will, mm -hmm. and then uh, orient the camera in the position that you require. What is this way? This weighs about two pounds. Is there a, a case that comes with it? There is a case, yes, that's correct. Let's this will it. be available uh, in about two months. It'll be shipping. Okay. And uh, it will sell for a suggested retail price of uh, nineteen ninety-five. Okay. Where's the case at? Do you have it here? We, we don't actually oh. have the case. Okay. Yet, so. It would just be. What is it, it going to be made of? Of or? Uh, it'll be a uh, uh, similar to a, uh, a computer carrying case. Okay. So either nylon or. Uh, some durable material of that sort. So I'm told the battery works for about uh, four hours on a single charge? That is correct, yes. And, and it you, charges via the wall, not the USB. That's correct. You can charge it. It's also replaceable, so you could purchase an extra battery and just uh, okay. put, put that in uh, if you're in a hurry and you don't have time to charge it. Are they standard batteries then? Or? These are, uh, no, they're not standard batteries. You would get them from us, but they're similar to camcorder batteries. Okay. But they are proprietary to the point where you have to order them. That's correct. Okay. Um, the software that comes with it is, um, I assume, you know, that runs on Windows computer or... Yeah, this will support uh, Windows platform. It will also support uh, ZoomText and uh, Dolphin Supernova. Okay. And we're looking at some other uh, software products as well that uh, do screen magnification. Magic like, or...? Well, we're not working with Magic at this time, but okay. we'd, we'd like to be compatible with as sure. many of the uh, software programs as possible. What about for other operating systems? Is there any thought of uh, making this work with those or...? Well, we, we will eventually have a Mac platform as well, but that's down the road. Okay. And, and actually, that's an interesting point. Right now, it's set up for USB connectivity only, mm -hmm. uh, but within a few months, we'll also have a VGA version. So you'll be able to either connect it to the USB or just connect it to a separate monitor if you don't need it for uh, a laptop application. Okay. If I were to buy this now, uh, would there be updates for the software as time goes by? And I'm sure there would be. And yes. those are going to be. Will those generally be included, or? Um, you know, it's a good question. I don't know the answer. To sure. That. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's also an updated uh, version of the uh, the Pebble. Yeah, there sure is. We need to walk over to the other table, right. and uh, we can certainly do that. Work our way over here. Yeah. Okay. So the, right. ta yeah, the table's right here. Okay. All right. So here's the uh, the Pebble. What, you, what are you calling this one now? That's that. They're calling it Pebble 4.3. Okay. To distinguish it from the original Pebble, which had a 3.5 inch screen. So what it has is a uh, a handle that folds out. Um, okay. Trying to do it one-handed. Sure. So easy, but right. There you go. So you would use that handle to actually wave the. The yeah, you, around. You, right. You can use it as you would, say, an ordinary handheld magnifier. So you can use it with the handle and then uh, just place it over the reading material. Okay. And you can adjust the magnification. Uh -huh. You can adjust the mode. Right. You can also fold the handle in, which I'm going to do. See what kind of camera And now you place the device directly on the reading material. Ah, uh, okay. So let's uh, describe this dimensions. Uh, do you know them it's, off the top of your head? Well, it's a 4.3-inch screen. Okay. I would say the total dimensions in terms of uh, the length is probably about 5 inches by perhaps 3, 3.5 inches wide and maybe an inch or so deep. Sure. Uh, weighs about 9 ounces. Um, and the, the handle that we were talking about in the back, it full, it goes across uh, the width of the uh, the entire unit. Uh, the hinge is on the 
either left or the left or the right side, I depending guess. Depending on how you orient it. Depending on holding it. Right. Now, um, this, this is a battery-operated device. Okay. It uses two AA rechargeable batteries. Okay. Uh, you get two with the device, of course, all charged up, ready to go. And you can either buy batteries from us or at any drugstore or any right. uh, electronics okay. store. Okay. There's a couple different buttons on this. Is this are these the yeah. same as the original Pebble? Or? Uh, they are the same, yes. Yeah. So you've got magnification here. Here is bottom. That's bottom left as right. we have it sitting right now. Right. And then you've got the mode, which is here. That's that top left. That changes the background. Over here, you've got uh, a freeze frame button. That's on the right side in the middle. Right. And then mm-hmm. uh, just below that on the, on the side... There's another button kind of indented. Um, it's green in color. That's the on-off button. Okay. What's the battery life like for this? Uh, you'll get about two hours on a full charge. Okay. How does that compare to the uh, the previous model? Or? About the same. Okay. Yeah. How much does this cost? This is uh, $645. So it's actually $50 more than the original okay. Pebble. What do you feel differentiates the, the Pebble from? There's a, there are a lot of affordable magnifiers that are out there. What sets this one apart? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. There's a lot of uh, products out there. I think picture quality, ease of use, uh, the quality of the device itself. We actually design and build these products in the United States. Okay. So um, uh, we're able to control the quality. Uh, we provide a two-year parts and labor warranty. You're dealing with a, a company who's going to be here for, for many years to come. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Uh, oh, how can people get more information about uh, Enhanced Vision? Um, they can uh, either go to our website, which is uh, www.enhancedvision.com, or they can call uh, our 800 number, and that is 800-440-9476. I'll repeat that, 800-440-9476. We're in Huntington Beach, California, and we'll be happy to help you or any of the listeners. Thank you so much, Mark. Have a great day. You're welcome. Thank you, Jason. We are here at CSUN with Samuel Sennett, who is a Ph.D. student at Pennsylvania State University. And we are looking at a really cool product, um, which is actually running on an iPhone. And why don't you tell us a little bit about this? This is really cool. Sure. Jason, Proloquo to Go is for people who have difficulty speaking. And because it's on the iPhone and iPod, you can get it at a Best Buy, Walmart, or Apple retail store, Mm -hmm. which makes it more accessible in the community. It's really cool for people, children, teenagers, adults. They all have this hard-to-quantify coolness factor from using this piece of hardware to communicate. It is a full-featured communication solution where you can tap words, you can spell out sentences, you can store whole sentences and have them speak out loud with high quality text-to-speech, uh, the highest quality available from Acapella Group. I see. So for those who have difficulty uh, speaking, this would, be, this would help them communicate with, uh, with others, basically? Yeah, you can hear it right here. Yeah. Uh, I can model right here. Okay. Where is Hi. It? Hi. Hi. How are you? So you're tapping different parts of the screen? Exactly. I'm tapping individual cells that have words or phrases on it, and I can go right over to the keyboard and spell out uh, generatively. Okay. So it's flexible. I can add content. I can take pictures with the iPhone and quickly make content uh, of, say, a classmate in a school or a friend take a picture of so that I could speak out their name and see the picture of them. Mm Mm-hmm. What is the, uh, for those of us not as familiar with the market, before this, what was the, uh, the, the way that this was accomplished? What sure. was the solution? Typically, AAC devices like this were funded by Medicare and Medicaid and other funding factors like schools and other health insurances. Uh, 
the funding level was between $5,000 and $8,000 usually. Um, for Liquid to Go, Origin Instruments has been real generous and put together a bundle pack for about $650. So we're talking about a fraction of the cost and uh, innovative software that's robust and uh, is helping a lot of people. What does the uh, package include? Uh, it includes a iPod Touch first, uh, Proloquo to Go, the application, a real nice rugged speaker pack, uh, a stylus if someone needs it for accessibility, and a uh, printed manual, a few other added benefits as well. Do you know which iPod Touch it is? It's the 8 gigabyte iPod Touch. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Um, if people uh, want to get more information about this, you have a website, or how might they do that? Right. They can go to www.proloquitogo.com, and it's P-R-O-L-O-Q-U-O, number two, G-O.com. It's Latin for speak out loud because we empower people to speak out loud. Ah, it makes a lot of sense. Thank you yeah. so much, Samuel. This is definitely uh, an eye-opening uh, presentation. Really appreciate it. You're welcome, Jason. Thank you. This has been another exclusive audio podcast from Blind Bargains. Visit blindbargains.com for the latest technology deals, news, and interviews. So long. On Tuesday, April 13th, News broke on Twitter of the death of Torsten Brand, product manager for the Tox screen reader which runs on Symbian phones. Torsten died at age 45 of complications following surgery and left four children. Friends and competitors alike have rallied together to offer condolences to Torsten's family and to remember the pioneering work he did to make cell phones accessible to blind people everywhere. Torsten will be missed, and the blind community will feel the loss of such a great man. I'd like to thank you for joining me on Main Menu this week, and I'd like to thank Chrissy Cochran and Jeff Bishop for being a part of the show. That was a really fun discussion, and we have a few other things planned as well. So stay tuned. I'll keep those under wraps for the moment, but there is some really good content coming in general on Main Menu. You can certainly find out what's coming up on Main Menu by subscribing to any or all of a couple lists. You can join an interactive list with people trading comments back and forth by sending a blank message to friends-subscribe, that's friends-subscribe, at acbradio.org. Or if you just want announcements and no list interactivity at all, you can send a blank message to announce-subscribe at acbradio.org. You can also follow Main Menu on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash mainmenu. Now, there aren't a lot of posts from Main Menu on Twitter, mostly just show announcements and when archives are up. If you want a little bit more personal information about what I'm doing, you can follow me on Twitter as well. Go to twitter.com slash jamiepauls. That's twitter.com slash j-a-m-i-e-p-a-u-l-s. That concludes this edition of Main Menu. We trust you've enjoyed the program. On behalf of the entire Main Menu team, I'm Jamie Pauls wishing you and yours a great week.